For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you all please join with me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much for this day to come together to worship you and to lift your name on high, God. And Lord, I ask that you speak through me today, Lord. Let it not be my words that come out of my mouth, but let it be yours. Give us ears and hearts to receive what it is that you are speaking to us today. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. So 247 years ago on this day, July 2nd, 1776, the Second Continental Congress officially voted to declare independence from Great Britain. But it wasn't until July 4th that the finalized Declaration of Independence was approved. Over the years as Americans, we have been blessed by the actions that taken by those that have gone before us to work towards freedoms that we have in this country. Freedoms such as wearing whatever clothes you want, the freedom to travel in your own vehicle to any state, apparently the freedom to fire off cannons in a parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> We have the freedom to access endless information on the internet, freedom of speech, the freedom to own land, and out of all the countless other freedoms we have, the one I wanna highlight the most is the freedom of religion. We not only get to have church services and activities throughout the week, but we also get to go into the community like we did with Mission Week and be the hands and feet of Christ in the community of Tyler surrounding us. And not only that, we get to sing and shout with joy how great our God is, and we can boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It truly is a blessing to live in the USA. In all of our American freedoms, though, we can so easily fall into the sinful ways of the world. Freedom of speech sometimes leads to hateful comments. Freedom to browse the internet for information can reveal images that no one needs to see. The freedom to drink alcohol after you've turned 21 can lead to substance abuse and addiction. Unfortunately, there are so many more examples of how the great freedoms that we get to experience in this country can potentially lead us right into the clutches of living freely in sin. Years ago, when I was in middle school, my church took us on a mission trip to serve a deaf community, and all the kids in the youth group that went received a brand new Bible. And every morning, we had a required devotion that we would take our brand new Bibles with us, and we had a question that we would read along with that as we studied and just sat in the presence of the Lord in silence outside. And so one of the chaperones on that trip was sitting next to me one morning for our silent devotional, and I noticed that he took out a piece of paper and he wrote something on it and he folded it up. And when he finished his devotion, he walked up to me, didn't say a word, handed me that piece of paper, and then he continued on inside. And so I opened up that piece of paper and there I found just one sentence written on it. And it said, the only true freedom we have is the freedom to resist ourselves. 
And at that moment, at that age, I was like, man, that's profound. And I took that piece of paper and tucked it into the book cover that I had over my Bible. And I would try to use that as a reminder when I felt tempted to do anything that I knew was wrong. And I would think to myself, for me to experience freedom from this, all I have to do is resist my selfish desires. And as the weeks and the months went on after that mission trip, the quote written on that piece of paper faded more and more out of my mind until I eventually forgot completely about it. And it wasn't until a few weeks ago that I finally took that tattered and torn book cover off of that Bible and then outslipped that piece of paper that was still tucked away in there. And I opened it up and it was my first time to read it in probably 15 or 16 years. And then I thought on it for a second and then I crumbled it up and I threw it away because if this is what true freedom is, then I am doomed and hopeless to struggle against my own flesh with my own strength for the rest of my life. And I think a lot of us have struggled with this idea that if I can just do my part, if I can pick myself up by my bootstraps, then I can make myself right with God. But what does scripture have to say about this way of thinking though? Paul touches on this idea in his letter to the Romans because in previous chapters to the one that we're in today, he's covering the view of living under the law versus living under grace. In chapter five, Paul talks about the results of justification. And now justification is this core term in Methodist theology. Then it means that God's mercy and grace, which is shown in the suffering and death of Jesus on our behalf, pardons our sins and restores our capacity to love God and to love neighbor. This occurs by his grace through our faith to actively trust in Jesus and receive God's forgiveness and acceptance. This results in a renewal of the image of God in us that had been damaged by sin so that we might begin lifelong growth in Christ's likeness as the Holy Spirit enables us to love God and to love neighbor. There are no works we can do to earn this justification. It has everything to do what God has done for us. And so then we find in Romans chapter six that Paul tackles the question of why Christians should not continue to sin once we have been justified and declared righteous by God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says, starting in verse two, we are those who have died to sin. How can we continue to live in it? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. When we place our faith in Christ and accept his lordship in our lives, Paul says that something miraculous happens. Those who come to God through faith in Christ experience newness of life on the spiritual level. And through the Holy Spirit, God responds to our faith in Christ by causing our old selves to be crucified with Christ. Then we are raised to new spiritual life as he was raised to a new physical life by the Father. And as verse six says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Then in verse 10, he says, the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And the Greek term used for once for all, 
I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I will butcher it. But it is found repeatedly in the book of Hebrews to emphasize the finality of the sacrifice of Christ. In his death, he dealt effectively and conclusively with sin, winning the victory completely. There's no need for a second fight. There's no need for another sacrifice. Once and for all, the death of Christ took away that power of sin over us. Then Paul continues in verse 11 by saying, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying here that it is crucial for us to change the way that we think about ourselves. We must no longer think of ourselves as self-reliant or self-serving, independent operators. Instead, as people in Christ, we must think of ourselves as completely made new and alive to God in Christ. And then continuing verses 12 through 14, Paul states, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Paul seems to say that we still have a daily choice to make here. We've been freed from the penalty of sin. We are forgiven. We've also been freed from the authority and power of sin, because we are justified. But we still live in a broken and sin-filled world until Christ returns in final victory. And we find that in our waiting for that day, day to come, Sin still attracts us. The old habits and ways of thinking still come after us. That's why Paul tells us to stop giving our bodies over to be used by sin and to give them over instead to be used by God for righteousness. Those still living in darkness tend to express the freedoms that they have by indulging in selfish desires. But those living in the light express their freedom by dying to the desires of self and living a holy life by the power of the Holy Spirit that's in them. There's this book called The Cure by John Lynch that the young adult group here at Marvin are reading together. And it's helped me to better understand myself, to better understand God, and to better understand his justifying grace. It's about this man who finds himself journeying down the road of life and he comes to a fork in the road. And on one side it says, pleasing God, and then the other direction, it says, trusting God. And he's torn on which way to take, because to him, both sound just as important as the other one. And he thinks for a second on the trusting God sign, and he ultimately decides against that path, because it sounds good, but it doesn't quite give him anything to do. It's too passive for him. So he decides to travel down the road of pleasing God, because after all God has done for him, the least he can do is try to please God. And so he travels down this long road and he comes up to a hotel and across the front of it, it says this, striving hard to be all God wants me to be. And he thinks to himself, I strive after success in my career. I strive after eating healthy and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And I strive in my relationships with friends and family. So why would it be any different with God? And so he walks in and finds out that everyone is living according to the same idea 
that they have to work on their sin to achieve an intimate relationship with God. And he soon realizes that this way of living is just one big hamster wheel that keeps your attention off of God and only on sin management. He comes to the conclusion that there has to be a better way to live. He doesn't want to be stuck in the same rut or as Miss Sarah so eloquently said, be stuck in this little bitty fish tank for the rest of his life. And so he gets back on the road to head down the trusting God path. And he makes it to another hotel, but across the front of this hotel, instead of saying, striving hard to be all God wants me to be, this one says, living out of who God says I am. He walks in and finds himself in what's called the room of grace. Here he finds that pleasing God is actually a byproduct of trusting God. The realization hits him that pleasing is not a means to holiness, but it's a fruit that blossoms out of holiness. The people in this room are no longer striving for personal sin management, but instead they are embracing the fact that they are a new creation, like Pastor Jerry read out of 2 Corinthians. They have died to their old selves. Christ is in them, they are in Christ, and the Holy Spirit is with them, challenging them, correcting them, rebuking them, encouraging them, and leading them on the path to entire sanctification that God has called them to. They have finally stepped out into the freedom that Christ has for them. And so for those that have received Christ, what is it exactly that we are experiencing freedom from? The obvious answer that we've seen in the text today is freedom from sin. But in this freedom from sin, though, we see that we are free from bondage. We are free from addiction. We are free from this wrong idea that we have to live a life striving and trying to earn God's favor and love. We do not have to strive to work towards holiness or righteousness. It is by the freely given grace of God through our faith in Jesus Christ as our resurrected Lord and Savior that we are justified and set free. And not only does Jesus give us freedom from these things, but he also gives us freedom for other things. As Paul says here in Romans, to offer every part of ourselves as an instrument of righteousness, as we obey Christ's commands, as we open ourselves to receive what it is that God has to say to us daily in his word, as we go to him in prayer, and gather with the body of believers on Sundays for worship and even during the week for fellowship. In doing these things, we do not seek to secure or maintain our standing with God by our doing, but it's our efforts, our lives, and our obedience from faith that are channels of God's ongoing grace to us. These are not obligations for justification, but expressions that blossom out of sanctifying faith. According to John Wesley, these are tangible expressions of God's redeeming love working in the lives of believers, leading them to reflect God's love in all of their actions. The gift of sanctifying faith from God is the essential element for holy living, which is living a life so full with the love of God and neighbor that it pushes sin completely out. This is freedom for loving God and finally receiving the love God has already been pouring out on us. This is freedom for knowing God, 
Freedom for truly belonging to him and having him as our own. Through the Spirit, we are freed for holiness. We are freed for true, abundant life. Freed to be his sons and daughters in this amazing family of believers. We are freed to enjoy the presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit and to enjoy Jesus now and forever. Christian freedom is enjoying finally what we were made for, who we were made for, God in Christ. Would y'all join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to take on all of our sin and shame on that cross so that in his death and resurrection, we would be given the greatest gift of being completely set free from the power of sin and be made holy in your sight. Help us to not live a life striving for what you have already accomplished and remind us of who you already say that we are as your children. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit and to the glory of you, Father, we pray. Amen.
Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 o'clock on our campus in downtown Tyler. God is doing some good work among us and I don't want you to miss out. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and its ministry and serving opportunities. And if we can be of any assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope that you'll notify us.